Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you put the act in activism. My guest this week is Millie Gould, and she is an activist and the president of Climate Reality Warwick, as well as a student at Warwick University. I got to talk with Millie about her work, particularly as a climate activist. So without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Millie Gould. I'm Millie. I'm a third year politics student at Warwick and alongside my studies I also um, work two days a week for the civil service and I'm also president of Climate Reality Warwick um, which is a branch of Climate Reality founded by Al Gore and I'm really passionate about the climate crisis but also about making activism sustainable and kind of finding that healthy balance where um, people aren't burning out because I used to be very involved in um, youth activism, youth politics, and it was genuinely, it was amazing, but at the same time, really, really draining. And it kind of sucked the motivation out of me for a while. So coming back into activism and trying to make it kind of a healthier, more sustainable option, rather than something that literally just, you know, leaves you feeling drained and demotivated at the end of the day. That's kind of what I want to encapsulate in my work. Definitely. And you mentioned getting involved in youth activism and being very involved at, I'm sure, a very young age. Can you tell me more about what the experience was like for you to get started in activism and just what that story was like for you? Yeah. So for me, the main motivators were my grandparents. Um, They kind of taught me all I know about kind of making a change, um, even on a very small scale. And I think that was what made me think that I had the capacity to do something because they'd proved that you don't need to be, you know, the best public speaker. You don't need to be um, the most popular person in the room. You don't have to be kind of an influencer, obviously, um, to make a change. You know, it's something that everyone has the capacity to do in their own individual right. And, you know, making a change for one person may look like, you know, a social media campaign, but making a change for someone else may just be starting a conversation and opening someone's mind. So I got involved in like youth politics um, in my school and then in my region. So I was part of youth parliament, um, which was a really enlightening experience. But I think it also made me quite frustrated at how kind of superficial some of these movements were. Um, Sometimes it felt as if, you know, there were so many barriers to change. There were so many kind of structural constraints and it was very very corporate in a way like it was very much um, about your image and about how you presented yourself making sure you had the best LinkedIn profile and you know when you're like 15 14 15 that should not be your main priority your main priority should be you know growing up having a childhood and also just you know reaching out to people that have like-minded experiences and share the passions that you do so I wanted to kind of form a network or kind of create a more um, healthy outlook on making a difference and kind of inspire other people to do the same. So tell me about your work as an activist now, as you're also a student and you're doing so many different things. What are you working on, especially as you're juggling these different roles? So um, obviously it's quite busy, but I did some research a couple of years ago for a TED talk that I did. And And the idea was kind of putting the act in activism um, because I think so many people are put off by the the phrase activist. You know, even like talking to my mum, she was like, oh, I don't really like the term activist. It sounds very like, you know, aggressive, very kind of 
you know, assertive, you know, sometimes people tune off as soon as you say activism or, you know, any kind of ism, um, feminism, whatever. It's kind of seen as some kind of love it or hate it kind of situation. So I wanted to make it more kind of, um, as I say, accessible for the everyday person. So my TED talk was all about like simple changes you could do and how it was like each conversation you have with someone or each interaction is a drop in the bucket. And you can kind of be an activist in the everyday sense. It doesn't have to be attending protests. It doesn't have to be kind of going on marches because obviously those things aren't sustainable for everyone. They aren't accessible for everyone. And, you know, you shouldn't feel guilty for not doing as much or kind of doing things in a different capacity as someone else. So kind of moving past that stage of burnout that I experienced after being involved in the youth um, politics sphere, I kind of took a step back for a couple of years and I was like, right, it's it's kind of important for me to focus my energy and um, kind of choose what to prioritise. So for me, the climate was an obvious pick. Um, but also kind of balancing that with mental health awareness. And I think the two obviously do go so well hand in hand. Um, and it's obviously become a more prominent idea, you know, the idea of eco-anxiety, the idea of guilt around sustainability. So I wanted to bring that into my work. So kind of my everyday life in terms of climate reality and the work I do for that is kind of overseeing campaigns, We've collaborated with um, VegSoc and the plant-based unis um, team to try and encourage more plant-based options on campus. We've been trying to do campaigns on um, plastic cup production on campus. And all of these things are kind of, you know, it's more about awareness than anything. I think, especially in a university student's capacity, you know, they are busy. They are, you know, often struggling for money and they can't afford to be donating to loads of appeals or you know taking time out of their studies to attend protests so it's kind of just raising awareness on really really simple things that you can do um which I think for a lot of people are very obvious but it's almost creating that incentive um we've done schemes where we've given people like free cake if they've had a reusable cup and it seems so stupid because it's like oh well like that's such a minuscule you know it's one uni one person but hopefully they can go home and think okay well I got free cake today so clearly I was doing something right but I think on a completely different note um I've also moved into sport recently um as someone who was not sporty growing up I think I found it as a sort of like alternative form of therapy but I did not realize just how um hard it would be to get into sport at a late age so I am currently training for a half Ironman um, along with a couple of half marathons and a marathon. And obviously that does take a lot of time. But the reason that I want to do it and I'm so passionate about it is because as a woman and in such male dominated um, sporting sphere, it's just kind of like fueling me on to actually get to the end of the training process and be like, look what I've done as someone with no sports background, as someone, you know, who never really thought they had the capacity to be a runner or be a sw swimmer or a cyclist. Um, and I think for me, finding something that, yes, it was like very, very different to kind of activism in the sense that I was used to, it still gave me a way to feel empowered and hopefully make other people feel empowered, you know, just like creating a community of women and non-binary people who want to get involved with the sports, kind of making sure I kind of show up as a beginner 
in a way, that's been my own mini form of everyday activism. So um, obviously it's like empowering for myself, but hopefully other people can kind of take my experience and think, oh, I can do that too. And that applies to so many things, not just sport. It's the idea that, you know, in terms of mental health, um, I think I try and be as open and transparent as I can about my experience with mental health. And as I said, my experience with like burnout and kind of overwhelming myself with all this very, very heavy, intense stuff as a kind of young teenager, uh, essentially. So I try and be open with that to hopefully empower other people um, to make a change in their own life. Because I do very, very strongly believe that, yes, there's all these very, very, very crucial issues that it's amazing to see so many people working on and kind of making a difference within. But at the end of the day, if we're not kind of filling our own cup first, we're not putting that back into ourselves, we will just kind of burn out. And that's not good for the cause. It's not good for us. It's not good for the community. So I think uh, I try and emphasize that in all that I do. You know, there is a time and a place for activism, activism, but there's also a time and a place to kind of take that step back and know when something is kind of out of your capacity or out of your um, ability. So I think that's how I kind of juggle everything at the moment. That's really interesting. And I think the combination of your climate activism and your mental health activism is such an important balance. And I also haven't really heard many other people talk about exercise and challenging yourself physically as a small daily form of activism like you were talking about. And I think that's a really cool way to think about it. So tell me more about your programming and some of the events that you've put together with Climate Reality Warwick. You mentioned the cake event, but tell me more about what you're doing with the organization on campus. Yeah, so at the moment, we're kind of in the early stages of developing our motion campaigns for this year. So our student unions offers three um, all-student votes per year. So different societies or individuals have the um, ability to put a motion forwards. And um, in the past, there's been motions put forward about kind of um, weapon funding. There's been so many different amazing and interesting motions that just reading through the kind of manifesto and kind of proposal have been so insightful we had a meeting with our members and we tried to get their opinion on what we should prioritise because um, at least in my capacity as president of climate reality, I am very pro um, it being as inclusive as possible and not kind of making decisions at an executive level without consulting people that are students or whether they're involved in climate reality or whether they're just interested in the climate or have something to say you know, we've consulted with like engineering students before, we've consulted with all sorts of people that perhaps, you know, we can learn from them, we can kind of really soak up their knowledge and experience. So some of the things we talked about, for example, uh, obviously, further campaigns on plastic cups and kind of disposable things, it's one of those things that keeps going around in circles. Um, but hopefully there will kind of be a a crack in the egg and we'll we'll figure out how to um, make progress but also something a lot bigger is um, Warwick in the Modern Record Centre has a lot of the BP archives and we're kind of campaigning against the renewal of a contract with BP. Um, obviously Warwick benefits a lot from the contract so it's obvious why the uni has an interest to keep the um, records on site but um, there's issues of accessibility, there's issues of kind of, you know, like, why are we not being able to see these things? What What's being hidden from us? And why is our kind of money going into this? So that's something we're interested about. Um, but we also try and make um, sustainability fun. Uh, and I think that's kind of 
for me what's at the heart of it because it can be very doomy and gloomy and obviously there is a time and a place for that but we try and kind of find the positives um, and find the sense of community within the climate crisis so for example we do events um, such as green tea where we have weekly discussions on different topics for example mitigation policies kind of impacts on the global south um, differentiated responsibility things like that all of all across to like fast fashion um, veganism and food loads and loads of topics for people that have obviously high levels of knowledge and absolutely no knowledge because this is all about learning and building ideas as a community so those are really interesting events uh, we also do um, disco soup which is kind of this wasteless wednesdays concept where we take kind of fruits and vegetables um, that would have been going to waste and make it into a big, massive soup on campus with music, hence the disco um, part of Disco Soup. And it's just this kind of act of goodwill where, you know, we give people free soup, especially when it's a rainy day or, you know, they haven't done their food shop, so they haven't got any food um, for lunch, so they're going to have to buy something. We give people soup, freshly made, and they're reducing waste at the same time. And it is really this idea that, sustainability and activism is so simple at the end of the day and your individual efforts you know as a collective one person having leftover vegetable soup may not be that effective but having you know hundreds of people having it that is actually making a palpable difference it's kind of all about bridging that gap between yes we've got to make a difference we've got to make a change but also we've got to bring kind of life and soul into it because otherwise people burn out, they get disinterested, they get disillusioned and demotivated. So it is quite hard to bridge that gap sometimes um, and not go one way or the other. But that's what we're aiming for at the end of the day. I think that is such a great way to lead your organization with these fun events that might make the work more maybe palatable for people, because like you said, that might not be they, they might not have to think about the doom and gloom of climate change, but rather they're having fun and they're making change at the same time. So I have one more question for you before I let you go. Lots of young people want to create change and want to make a difference, but they may not know how to get started with that work. What advice do you have for those people who may be listening? I think the main thing is just like clue yourself up as much as possible. Um, I think that's what I did um, when kind of making these first steps. The main things I would say that you can actually do um, are the things that you do every day. So obviously, kind of what you're wearing, what you're consuming, things like that. These are things that you make a subconscious decision on every day, even if you don't notice. But if you're making a change 365 days a year, a slight change does have a big knock on effect. So for me, it was um, putting down um, meat and dairy. So I went vegan. Obviously, I know that's not accessible for everyone, um, but kind of doing the research to allow myself to make these decisions or make these changes in whatever way I could. It was really empowering for me, but I do think just having, like I'm quite open about my diet, I'm quite open about why I'm vegan. And I think that almost causes people to take an interest in it um, and kind of educate themselves um, and just have productive conversations, whether or not you come out of it having changed someone's mind, that's irrelevant for me. It's almost like you actually set a seed in their head. And, you know, even just by planting that seed, that's one more person that's considering it, whether, you know, they will actually make a change or not. But, yeah, I think just educating yourself and really taking like day to day actions. Those are the main things that help me feel like I'm actually contributing because, yeah, it does feel so overwhelming. And I think you need to like 
if you are feeling this way, it is normal. Um, you can't be perfect um, in your behavior. You know, I've been on flights this year, not great, but there are kind of ways you can balance things. And, you know, if you are seeking to be a perfect environmentalist or a perfect activist, or, you know, you can't. And by setting yourself on realistic standards, you, you will kind of inevitably feel guilty or, you know, feel as if you're not doing enough. Um, or compare yourself to other activists but we all have our kind of flaws we all have things that perhaps aren't accessible for us often for financial reasons or kind of mental health reasons and it's just accepting that and thinking okay well I'm doing what I can do and that's enough and if everyone does what they can do then we're in a, a, a much better situation um so I think that's my main kind of takeaway I really appreciate how open and authentic Millie was during our conversation because I think her points about how overwhelming and scary activism, particularly climate change activism, can be are so important. Millie also talked about how important it is and how helpful it can be to make small changes every day in your own life because those small changes are helping and you are contributing. Millie mentioned a couple of changes that we may all be able to make in our lives, from the foods we eat to the clothes we buy and wear. And it's really just up to us to take action and make those changes. I think Millie's story and her advice are great examples of how change comes when you put the act in activism. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And you can find Millie on Instagram at Millie Kira, spelled Millie, K-E-A-R-A, to get connected with her. You can also find Climate Reality Warwick on Instagram at Climate Reality Warwick to learn more and follow along with the work the organization is doing. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.